I'm Christy Itzen, your hostess with the mostest, and this is the Laugh or Cry podcast. In this podcast, we talk about comedy, music, movies, TV, and all things pop culture. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Oscars. Obama gets an Oscar, an assassination attempt on Trump, the rock block in Nashville, and Snoop Dogg versus Gail King. Stay tuned. Well, first, we're going to start on this day in history, February 10th, 1992, Mike Tyson, former boxing champion, was found guilty of raping Desiree Washington, a Miss Black America contestant. He was given 10 years term with four years suspended. On this day in 18... On this day in 1989, to gain deregulation, the WWF admits pro wrestling is an exhibition and not a sport. Ah, so let down to find out wrestling isn't real. I think a lot of us were devastated and a lot still in denial. That's okay. I do like half-naked men running around, so I still watch it. I don't care. Judge me if you will. In 1993, Michael Jackson talks to Oprah Winfrey. It airs on ABC with an astounding 39.3 rating, which is about 90 million people to watch one show. That's amazing. On this day in 2011, former Playboy model Camille Donacci, anyway, 42, divorces Frasier actor Kelsey Grammer, 56, due to irreconcilable differences after 14 years of marriage. Okay, I'll tell you right now, they got a 14-year age difference. I think the irreconcilable differences was maybe he wasn't uh, able to get some Viagra, if you know what I mean. Who thought that a Playboy model would leave a comedian? I mean, I can't... Who didn't think that was going to last forever? Speaking of stars, the Oscars were last night. I didn't get to watch the Oscars live because I don't have a service that carries ABC. Once I cut the cable, I got my little antenna, put it in the window. I can get CBS and I can get Fox and a bunch of religious channels and channels that sell me stuff and that's about it so was not able to see it live but I've looked at some videos Billie Eilish did a haunting haunting version of the Beatles yesterday and during the in memoriam those in memoriams always get me this one was long it was long a lot of people died this year but oh there were a few of my favorites that were left out Tim Conway, Sid Haig, and Luke Perry. Now, I know it's hard to fit them all in a three-minute song, Mm -hmm. but I just wanted to do my props right there and a little shout-out to those three. We'll see you on the other side. Janelle Monae, she opened the Oscars, and she is the cutest thing in the world. Not only an amazing singer, super talented actor, she is just gorgeous. Yeah, you know, somebody should not have that much talent going on, but she does. And she comes out, I didn't see the whole red carpet, but I saw the picture with her with this silver thing on, and uh, she just reeks badass. I love this woman. And speaking of badass, Parasite wins Best Picture. And people, some people are like, oh, you know, he comes out and he does his expectant speech in a couple of sentences of English and the rest in Korean. You idiots, it was a foreign film. Of course he's going to speak in Korean. What the fuck is wrong with you? Now, this South Korean dark comedy, Parasite, is the first ever foreign language film 
to win the award of Best Picture at the Oscars. And the director, Bong Joon-ho, also winning Best Director. How amazing is that? So congrats to you guys right there. I'll just go through a list of some of the honorable mentions here. Joaquin Phoenix winning Best Actor for Joker. Oh, Brad Pitt winning Best Supporting Actor for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This, of all his years in show business, his very first Oscar win. Animated film short Hair Love uh, wins. Documentary uh, was American Factory, which we're going to go into a little history on it. It's a Netflix film about an Ohio autoglass factory that's run by a Chinese investor. And it, you know, explores the different issues like the rights of the workers, globalization, automation, unionizing. So it's about a plant that employs about 2,200 Americans and 200 Chinese workers. And it gives a kind of close-up view of the cultural adjustments that each has to make and the rising tensions when the factory doesn't initially meet production goals. So it's a neat little film, and it was brought to you by Obama's company, Higher Ground. So it flashes in the opening credits, but the Obamas themselves aren't really mentioned anywhere. <laughs> Neither is Donald Trump, and I'm sure it ticks him off. Now, when the film received the Oscar nomination in January, Barack Obama tweeted, It's the kind of story we don't see often enough, and it's exactly what Michelle and I hope to achieve with Higher Ground. Congrats to the incredible filmmakers, and the entire team. Now, I was wondering how that would have to rub Trump. You know, anything that's a, any kind of goal or award that Obama meets, it's got to rub him the wrong way. And I've looked on Twitter, he has not said a word about the Oscars. Probably because he's not woken up from his Sudafed crash. Dude, dude, I've seen so many pictures of him in rooms with bright, bright blinding lights because there's cameras everywhere. And I have never seen pupils so dilated. Which they say, oh, he's on Adderall. Mm-hmm, sure, that's, I'm sure all he's on. So, now when the name DeAndre Arnold began circulating a few months back with the suspension at Barber's Hill School in Texas, Man, he kind of became a modern-day social advocate. Uh, he was the center of conver- he was the center of controversy when his school claimed that they prohibited him from wearing dreadlocks past a certain length, and the school threatened to suspend him and not allow him to walk across the stage for graduation. Several celebrities like Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade heard about the story and decided to take matters into their own hands. And he was even invited to be a guest at the Oscars. So that's kind of like the big middle finger to you, Texas. Now, he attended the Oscars, and this was courtesy of the team that won for Hair Love. So I love irony, and I love karma. So, and I think he's ending up, um, maybe I think it's Ellen is giving him a scholarship uh, for college. I mean... Good for you. You know, why are we so worried about someone's hair? Or why are we so worried about someone's hair? The length of it, the color of it. 
Once these kids get out into the real world, they're going to have to be wearing uniforms of some sort anyway, either a dress coat at work or they're going to have to wear an actual uniform for their job. Let them be kids for a minute. Let them at least enjoy their individuality and their free spirit before we the world smushes it down as it does all of our dreams and hopes and goals. Just let the guy be a guy. Now, Hair Love, it's the story of an African-American dad who's got to learn how to style his daughter's hair. Evidently, there's not a lot of talking in it, but it's the pictures are very emotional. And, you know, I love the Oscars because it's always just a list of movies that I've never seen or heard of. Like, I've seen The Joker. I meant to see Rocket Man, but I didn't. Maybe I've heard of some of these. I saw the previews for Jojo Rabbit, and it looked good, but I never saw it when it was actually in the theater. Some of these movies, never heard of. Marriage Story, never heard of it. Toy Story 4, I mean, how many Toy Stories do we need? Speaking of which, how many Little Women do we need? I mean, honestly, how many versions of Little Women are necessary in my lifetime? I, I really don't think we need that many. Anyway... <clears throat> Moving on, he brought a knife to a gunfight. A knifeman was arrested outside the White House. He was wanting to assassinate Donald Trump. The guy's name, Roger uh, Hedgepeth, 25. He's said to have told the Secret Service, I'm here to assassinate President Trump. I have a knife to do it with. Okay, I'm going to have to go out on a limb and say this guy probably has a few bolts missing, a little bit of a mental deficiency, because I watch a lot of ID channel, a lot of it, probably not a healthy amount of it, and this is not how you go about murdering somebody. The, the whole goal is the element of surprise, right? So you just don't go up to the security guard and say, hey, I think I'm going to rob this bank, you know, or... Or, hey, I think I'm going to stab my girlfriend inside this apartment. Can you buzz me in? That's not how you do it. The whole thing is to not get caught, if possible. And, again, the element of surprise. And the knife was only three inches long. I mean, I guess you you could kill somebody with a three-inch knife. I'm, I'm sure it's, people were able to kill people with box cutters. So I'm sure you could do it. But have you seen Trump? He's got a pretty massive layer of fat surrounding his entire body. I'm thinking at least a good four-incher would have to do to get through that penetration of fat that he's got to reach his tiny, tiny little heart. But, you know, just not well planned is what I'm saying. And guess what? This guy's from Florida. Big shock there. Alabama, Kentucky, Florida, they are really seriously vying to out crazy Texas. It's it's really funny to watch these past few years which one can out crazy each other. And brava, Florida. Brava. Okay, he's been described as a critically missing slash endangered person and a mental health consumer. I'm assuming he's that means he was a crazy person that wandered off. That's just my guess. He was arrested around a block away from the White House on Saturday. See, he wasn't even... Wasn't even at the White House yet. Damn. You can't be telling your, your plot before you even get to where you're supposed to be. See, that's how people get talk, they get caught. They start running their mouth. All right. Block away from the White House on Saturday, threatening to kill him by carrying a prohibited weapon, a three and a half inch knife in a sheath 
attached to his left hip and an empty pistol holster on his right hip. So I'm assuming maybe he had an invisible gun? I don't know. Again, not dealing with a full deck here. Hedgepeth was detained on the northwest corner of 15th Street and Pennsylvania Avenue. Now, this comes after a British man who grabbed a police officer's gun in a failed attempt to assassinate Trump was jailed for a year after pleading guilty in a deal with U.S. prosecutors. So, uh, this is the first time hearing about it. I didn't even know there were multiple attempts on Trump's life. I mean, come on. Come on. You guys have got to get better at trying to assassinate someone. You know, what happened to the Lee Harvey Oswalds? I mean, come on. You got to really put a little bit more effort and forethought into this stuff. Reagan, I mean, they didn't get him, but they, they grazed him. He didn't see it coming. You got to have that element of surprise. I'm not saying you should assassinate a president, but if you did try to, you got to be better at planning it. So Michael Sanford, this is the guy from the UK, appeared in court in 2016 where he admitted grabbing the firearm, intending to shoot Trump. Well, I guess he was still a nominee. He hadn't gotten to be president yet. While attending a rally on June 18th at the Treasure Island Hotel Casino in Las Vegas. Again, a lot of crazy stuff going on in Vegas. He faced up to 20 years in prison if he'd been convicted on trial uh, on U.S. federal charges of an illegal alien in possession of a firearm and disrupting an official function. But in a plea deal with the prosecutors, he was ordered to serve 12 months and a day minus time served and good behavior time. Wow. So if I try to assassinate a potential president, so just a candidate, I'll just get a year. Hmm. Interesting. Now, under the plea deal, Sanford, who suffers from autism, was not able to appeal. See, again, crazy. There's like, I mean, not that people that have autism are crazy, but this guy, clearly a little bit of a nut job. So, guys, if you're going to murder somebody, get on the ID channel. Research that a little bit. Dateline has a lot of these kind of cases, murder cases. Watch uh, at least a, a month or so to, to get a better idea of what to do and what not to do. I'm not saying you should try to assassinate a president. But if you do, don't tell a bunch of people about it. it it's kind of a thing you want to keep hush-hush and on the down low. Here in Nashville, an important part of our cultural history is facing extinction due to Nashville's crazy rapid growth. I'm talking about the rock block, right? The biz a stretch of businesses on Elliston Place. And business owners are starting to get a little worried, and I am too. Developers are swooping in left and right all across Nashville, knocking down buildings to build new pretty shiny ones, some that may only last 50 years, in my opinion, but oh well. Now, co-owners of the Exit Inn and Hurry Back, Chris and Talisha Cobb, are fighting to keep one of Nashville's most endangered historic places untouched. Talisha told uh, News 2, We're one of the last city blocks that's an organic ecosystem that hasn't been built from the top down. It's emerged very naturally, and so you start to become concerned about the threats of extinction when you start to see that ecosystem so heavily disturbed. You can't start taking pieces of the ecosystem away and expect it to continue to function the way it has, explained Chris. 
Now, the community recently defeated a rezoning attempt that would have allowed a 15-story hotel to be built where a trio of century-old apartments sits. Now, listen to that. Century-old. Those apartment buildings, yeah, they're old, they're dated, but they've been there over 100 years. They'll probably be there for over 100 more. I'm living in one of these new apartment buildings. The building's not even five years old. And you've got drywall that's coming apart from the the window frames, cracks in the foundation, pipes are leaking, and this is a brand new damn building. Because the contractors don't care. The developers are going with the cheapest one. They're throwing the buildings up before the grounds even had a chance to properly settle. The people that are buying the buildings don't know, and they're spending crazy amounts of money. There's these houses, I call them, me and my friend call them, those saltine box houses. Because they're just the talls and skinnies. And they're taking old, beautiful bungalow and craftsman homes that are 100 years old. Like I said, would probably be around for 100 more. Knocking them down, putting two, if not four, houses on that one plot of land, all to make a quick buck. You got people that are moving here from New York, California, Detroit, Chicago, and they're seeing these houses and they're like, wow, $500,000 for this house. What a deal. And they're scooping them up. People like us that are from here, we're like, you want how much for that house? Go fuck yourself. We're getting priced out of our own town. And this is happening, it seems like, throughout the country. Other cities with the gentrification going on, which I do appreciate that you're trying to make the place look nice, clean it up, but you're pricing us out of house and home. I don't know how anybody can afford a house here. I know I've missed my boat if I don't win the lottery. I can't believe I'm spending as much as I am on rent. If you would have told me five, six, seven years ago I'd be paying what I am in rent, I would have laughed at you. Laughed at you. Seven years ago, I was paying about half of what I'm paying now in rent. The only thing that's changed, they knocked down the old building, built this new building. So I lived on this plot of land seven years ago when it was the old building. Had to move while everyone's lease is up. You gotta get out of here because we're going to tear it down and build a new fancy high-rise building. Now, granted, this is the nicest place I've ever lived. Don't get me wrong. But man, I don't know how anybody can afford to live anywhere anymore. No wonder homelessness is going through the fucking roof. No one can afford to to rent anywhere. God forbid, afford to own. And if you own something, you better stay in it. Because if you sell them, I've got a friend that lives in East Nashville. And she's like, well, if I sold my house, I could get this much for it. I go, yeah, but you're still going to have to live somewhere. So you're going to have to find another place and good luck finding something that you can afford. It's getting ridiculous. Now they say this is where people live, you know. It's harder and harder in this town to find workforce because people can't afford to live close enough. And what we keep seeing is our cooks, our bartenders, our security staff. They're having to live further and further out. It's ridiculous that we even are having these conversations. It's obvious that we are having a housing crisis in this town. We obviously have a preservation problem. The fact that we are talking about replacing 100-year-old buildings with a hotel boggles the mind. Well, Chris, I totally agree. You're absolutely fucking right. And I'm outraged the government doesn't care because all they see is dollar signs. All they see is 
incoming tax money, yet they don't have the tax money to fix shit. I'm appalled. If you drive around Nashville, every street is under construction right now. I love this town. I love this town so much, but it is turning into something that I don't even recognize. And not in a good way, in my opinion. Not necessarily a good way. But we're getting a Whole Foods. So that's a plus. South Park did a series of episodes around gentrification, them trying to get a Whole Foods, then the homelessness erupting, and people not being able to afford to live in the town anymore. Man, that is mimicking Nashville to a T, and clearly other cities as well. Now, the Cobbs, they'd ultimately like to buy up these buildings and preserve them with a hysteric overlay. I would love for that to happen. There also needs to be a historic marker for the block. So they've called on their Rock Block Warriors for a benefit show to help in their efforts. Talisha says, We really want to get people back into the building and feel the magic again and see how it's thriving in these times and to see how it's unfolding and evolving despite all the threats outside. This place is really doing well. She is about to live her best life at 50. And that, she's talking about the Exit Inn. Now, the Exit Inn is the epitome of what Nashville lives and breathes in music. It is one of the few places anymore where you can find rock music. That is the rock bar. It always has been. There's maybe a handful of places where you can see rock music that's not a giant big-ticket band. Over the years, everyone has played there. From Jimmy Buffett to Johnny Cash to the B-52s, even Steve Martin has taken the stage there. And if you've ever been to Exit Inn, on the inside and out, they're just names of artists all covering the wall so you can visually see the history that has been in that building. These clubs, like Exit Inn, are part of a greater ecosystem in this town. The challenge right now is can we buy our buildings and can we keep other people who believe in preservation to buy some of the other property down there so we can put the overlay in place to make sure some of these buildings don't get torn down. I sure hope so. I really hope so. Now, a benefit show to help in the preservation efforts is being held Saturday night at Exit Inn. So if you can't make it to the show and still want to donate, you can. There's a also a Save the Rock Block petition going around that has over 6,000 signatures. So Save the Rock Block. Everybody's been talking about UFOs. UFOs have really like they sparked interest in the 1950s throughout the country, but specifically in the UK. The Ministry of Defense formed the Flying Saucer Working Party, to process the flood of new reports coming in around that time, and the original group concluded that none of the sightings were credible, wink, wink. Various departments of the ministry continued investigating reports of strange objects being seen in the sky throughout 2009. 1950s, oh, it's not credible, but we're still documenting it to this day. Now, all of the files from that near 60-year period is set to be released on their own Government UK webpage sometime this year. The announcement was made after the British news agencies made a request for the documents under the Freedom of Information Act. Select files from this period had previously been made through the UK National Archive website. Now, instead of choosing certain items to share, the UK government has decided to publish all the documents at once. Maybe we'll finally get down to the nitty-gritty of is it real? Is it Memorex? I personally believe, do the people that see UFOs, are they really seeing them? I don't know. 
maybe. There's a lot of crazy people in the world. But when you think of how vast this universe is, or universes, depending on who you talk to, I think it's vain for us to think that we're the only living intelligence out there in the world. I believe there probably are. I believe if they saw how we live, they'd be like, yeah, no. But uh, I believe that there might be UFOs. I also believe there may be Bigfoot. You can't have that much of Canada uninhabited and not have life forms in there that we just don't know about. I totally believe the Bigfoot exists. Also, probably the Chupacabra. That's a whole nother subject for another day. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty of Snoop Dogg and Gail King. Oh, my God. So, evidently, CBS News anchor Gail King had done an interview about Kobe Bryant. Snoop Dogg allegedly is not threatening her, but the record shows he did make somewhat of a threatening comment. So the rapper took to Instagram on Saturday to clarify a video he posted a few days prior criticizing Gail for interviews she did with WNBA player Lisa Leslie. Now, evidently must have been talking about Kobe Bryant. Now, Snoop made what was perceived as a threat against her, but now he claims he didn't, and he means her no harm. Snoop says he's not a violent person, and it was raised better than that. He insists he was only speaking on behalf of people who felt disrespected by Gail's interview. It was only going from his heart. Snoop says all he wanted to do was point out she was out of line. What's interesting that he claims he never threatened her and only told her Kobe's fans were, quote, watching her. But in his own words, seemed to contradict him here, right? What Snoop said verbatim, Funky doghead bitch, how dare you try to tarnish my motherfucking homeboy's reputation, motherfucker. Or, sorry, punk motherfucker. Respect the family and back off, bitch, before we come get you. That sounds kind of threatening to me. Now, this came after a tirade against Gail coming after black men, but not being enthusiastic to grill him about Harvey Weinstein and Snoop size. Uh, maybe he's speaking figuratively, but the fact is, come and get you can be seen as a threat, even if it isn't meant seriously. Now, there's a lot of crazy people. There's probably a lot of people that look up to Snoop. So if Snoop said you should get so-and-so, there might be some people that's going to take that seriously. Keep in mind, he was for a long time affiliated with gangs. There might be some people that still are open to that, right? So, in a WNBA legend, Lisa Leslie told Gail King that Kobe Bryant's legacy is, quote, not complicated for her despite his 2003 rape accusation. She says, I don't think it's something that we should keep hanging over his legacy. That's true. I mean, he did at least, unlike Harvey Weinstein's of the world, he did at least apologize and try to make retribution as opposed to these fuckers that are like, I didn't do anything wrong, so fuck those guys. Gail herself came out and said the clip was taken out of context from a much larger, wide-ranging interview and that she felt that CBS had screwed her by releasing the clip, just showing that part where she pressed Lisa about the rape claim against Kobe. Now, Oprah, now you know... Shit gets real when Oprah pipes up. Now, this is, Gail is her best friend. And she said, Oprah was brought to tears talking about the situation. She says that Gail's received death threats and has hired security team to protect her from potential danger. All right, back up. First of all, you don't fuck with gangs 
but you really don't fuck with Oprah. She's like the most powerful person in the world. I think if she wanted you gone, I think she could make that happen. And she doesn't really have to do anything. Oprah, most powerful person in the world. I would love to be her neighbor. I love Oprah personally, but that's me. Let's rewind it back to 1993. Snoop Dogg, a.k.a. Snoop, a.k.a. Double O, Double G, was charged with first-degree murder after a member of a rival gang was shot and killed by Snoop's bodyguard, uh, Malik, who fired a shot while in the rapper's vehicle. So, I mean, he was acquitted. As we've learned, when people are acquitted, they're obviously not guilty anymore. So, wow, some some craziness going on in the, the camp of Gail King and Snoop Dogg, and now we're throwing Oprah into the mix. Damn. Now, on a sad note, Orson Bean, he's an actor, comedian. He was on the game show to tell the truth. He was the crotchety old merchant on Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. He's been in tons of stuff. You you might not know the name, but you know him if you saw him. He was hit and killed by a car in L.A. and was 91 years old. Now, I'm thinking when you're 91, you don't think you're going to be taken out by being hit by a car. The L.A. coroner's office said that Bean, last Friday night, it was a traffic-related fatality. The coroner's office provided the location where Bean was found, and it matched police reports. So, supposedly a man was crossing the road outside of the crosswalk in the Venice neighborhood when he was clipped by a vehicle and fell. This is according to the L.A. Police Department. A second driver then struck him, and what the police say was the fatal collision. Both drivers remained at the scene, neither was impaired, and Bean's death was treated as an accident. He was in films like Anatomy of Murder, and you probably really remember him from being John Malkovich. He's been in tons of Broadway productions, a a very well-known actor in the L.A. scene. More recently, the income that he was getting from Dr. Quinn and other voice and acting work allowed Orson Bean to finance the Pacific Resident Theater Ensemble in Venice, where he appeared with his third wife actress, Allie Mills. So he was there at the theater because I think his wife was performing there. So can you imagine being the wife? And someone coming in and telling you, oh, your husband is dead. He just got hit outside the theater by a car. Devastating news. Terrible loss for the acting community. Now, on a positive note, if you've ever wanted to help the dwindling honeybee population, ecologists are encouraging that you learn to love weeds and leave the dandelions alone this spring. I personally love dandelions. They're they're such a beneficial weed. Do you know you can eat a dandelion? The roots are beneficial. The leaves are beneficial. At the start of her tenure as new president of the oldest ecological society in the world, Jane Mehmet reminded everyone last week that working to live in harmony with nature can be as simple as keeping your lawn pollinator-friendly. So the Bristol University professor admitted she mows around dandelions and buttercups when she cuts her grass because you can't personally help tigers, whales, and elephants, but you really can do something for the insects, birds, and plants that are local to you. Dandelion leaf is a powerful diuretic. The usual effect of a drug stimulating the kidney function is a loss of potassium for the body, which can aggravate cardiovascular problems. But with a dandelion, that's one of the best natural sources of potassium. So it's helping your kidney function, but it's also helping you not lose that vital potassium. It makes an ideal balance of diuretic 
whenever that is is needed, and which includes cases of water retention due to heart problems. So you got some heart issues, kidney issues. You may want to talk to your doctor about incorporating dandelion into your diet. Dandelion root. It can be used for inflammation and congestion of the liver and gallbladder. It's specific in cases of congestive jaundice. As a wider treatment for muscular rheumatism, it, it can be effective for that. So there's so many things it can be used for. Chronic skin eruptions, blood disorders, certain ulcers. You can use the root. You can boil it in water and make a tea. Uh, and like I said, the leaves can be eaten raw in a salad. So instead, pulling out these roots of the dandelions or mowing them down, you might want to think about keeping them in your yard. And also, bees are more, more drawn to dandelions and those type of flowers than they are chrysanthemums and things like that. Keep that in mind. Keep the dandelions Don't worry about the weeds. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. If you like the show, please subscribe to the Laugh or Cry podcast and give it a great rating. If you didn't like it, you just keep your damn mouth shut. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and check out the website at laughorcrypodcast.com. And you can listen to Laugh or Cry on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere awesome podcasts can be heard. I'm Christy Itson, and you've just been listening to Laugh or Cry.